Okay, friend, Love wake up. Talk Radio. Let's get lost in a better place. Pick up a bird, travel through time and space. So much to learn, so much to see. A chance to escape reality. Open your mind and your heart. Gain new knowledge for a fresh new start. Day Network will bring you there. So let's talk about it when life and on the air. Good morning, everyone. This is Fran Lewis. This is MJ Network. MJ, in memory of my sister, Marcia Joyce, and it's freezing outside, but don't let it show you because Valerie West is here, and she's going to turn up the heat because... Rita Mars loses an old friend to what local police label a suicide. This is one character you don't want to mess with. Trust me. She will take care of business. She's convinced he was murdered merely to cover reputations in Congress. She's going to butt heads with the old boys' authorities to get the real story, and she's never going to give up. My kind of person. So good morning, Valerie, and welcome to MJ Network. Fran, thank you so much for this morning's interview, and I'm looking forward to this, and I am really excited and thrilled and honored that to be on your uh, on your podcast. Thank you. I'm glad you're here, too, because I really need something to perk everybody up. Now, this is great. Could you give us a, a brief summary? And how did you create Rita Mars? She's, she's original, I had to tell you that. She's quite different from most people I've read about. How did I get to Rita Mars? Well, I um, first of all, I started out as uh, an English major and ended up in technology. And because of that, I ended up actually uh, doing quite well with um, surveillance. I worked in police and security and three-letter agency mm. kinds of things. And I wanted to utilize that because of the incredible stories and action and even some of the sort of secret weapons uh, that are used to uh, as crime deterrents as well as detection and uh, apprehension. So that's how we got to Rita Mars. I combined some of the things that I liked from other characters that I admired. I will tell you that people like uh, Michael Conley were big uh, influences on me as well as Kathleen O'Connell and the Ma- Mallory series. So um, uh, if you wrap those together, you kind of get somebody like Rita, uh, who was also a reflection of my I take no prisoners kind of attitude around the work that I do. Well, she's got an attitude nobody else has, I'll tell you that. You don't want to mess with this girl, that's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) So she she grew up in a hard rock. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I apologize. She'll she'll smack somebody in the head. She won't even hesitate. That's what I like about him. (laughs) So the first scene says this scene. How did you create this first scene and then that first chapter? Um, The first chapter is really the setting setting of the stage for the rest of the book, and it involves reestablishment of a relationship that she had deeply valued and that she was uh, so bereft when that relationship ended 
because the person that uh, Bobby Ellis, who is her friend, mm-hmm. um, had achieved such great success that, as many people did, he succumbed to all those accoutrements, the pressure, etc., mm-hmm. of success, and he developed a drug problem. And he lost his job as an investigative reporter, and she thought she would never see him again. So she gets this late-night call, and mm. she is excited and thrilled that she's going to be seeing this guy again, somebody that she had loved and loved working with. That, that is special, let me tell you. Because sometimes you lose sight of somebody that you really want to mm. see. That 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 made that made it even closer to her, what was going to happen. So she True. gave up reporting. Yeah, let me tell you. Well, I'm I'm a reading and writing specialist. That's me. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why they tell me I know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I really, it was probably the best thing I ever did. Why did she give up reporting and how is a PI or her methods not quite like everybody else? Why did she give up reporting? Well, mm-hmm. she, twofold issue. Number one, it was a tiny bit of midlife situation. This is, as you can tell from uh, the character, mm-hmm. Freedom Mars, in this book. She's not a 20, 30-something. She's older. She's uh, mid-40s, 50s. Uh, she's in her uh, towards 50. Um, but she also wanted to do something different, and she wanted to make more of an impact. She'd been writing for years about different kinds of criminal activity, activities and uh, exposing those, finding sources, using and leveraging those resources uh, to be able to uh, expose these criminal activities. And she, at, at this point, decides that she would like to take a more active role. Um, now, part of that influence is her father, who was a, a policeman, uh, mm. and she wanted to enact more of the policing side of things to be able to actually be able to apprehend, find these guys, and do more than just report about them. So these are the reasons that she slid into this uh, world of security because she has a lot of good contacts. She knows how to reach out to people of influence um, and to use those contacts to be able to find out information that perhaps the average person might not be able to to be able to field. So um, that is how she is doing that. And... uh, that's the story about her using those influences, influencers mm. and people of uh, power to be able to find out what's going on and how, what to do about it. I think a lot of people would like to have that power, to be able to find out things that nobody could find out about. That's really true. True. So the character that I really love is Beverly. I love Beverly. So who now, is Beverly? I've got Beverly? a little flack of... I've gotten a little flack about Bev, um, but it's oh, I like somebody her. that I loved her. I loved her. Um, she's a person as uh, unafraid to be herself. Um, yeah. A person that is somewhat emboldened by uh, the fact that in this day and age there is a more acceptance of people who have different views of their sexuality and how they behave yeah. in this society. Um, so that that is an excellent thing. Also, um, in the story I talk about how uh, Rita met 
Bev, and that was because this was based on a real situation in uh, Baltimore uh, in the uh, late 80s where mm -hmm. there were a lot of uh, abuse of um, gay and uh, transgender folk uh, in the uh, Washington Monument, Mount Vernon area of Baltimore. And in this case, the story that I had, the backstory for Bev and Rita is that there was someone killing these people systematically, luring them to their death and then bludgeoning them to death. So um, Rita uh, connected with Bev on this front to help resolve that crime and get these, the perpetrator um, incarcerated. So they became good friends. And uh, when she started her, uh, her own agency, then she began to feel that she needed someone to be not only an assistant who was savvy, but somebody who could help her if she got into tight spots. As you, as we know from this book, there are a couple mm -hmm. of tight spots where she gets into and Bev helps her out. So they have a, a kinship and a friendship that goes beyond just, um, you know, saying hi and being an administrative assistant, which is basically what Bev becomes for Rita. You will also teach people that just because you're different or transgender, so what? You're, you know, yes. you're, you're who you are, and that—that's probably what I liked about it. As a matter of fact, I don't know if people realize. I won't say which one. There was the, uh, the lady that won all those days on uh, Jeopardy as a transgender. I read up on mm -hmm. that too. Yeah, yes. she was. Yeah. So I think why it's fantastic. She meet? Yeah, well, she's pretty smart too. She won forty days. Let me tell you. Yep. So why does she meet Karen, and why does she want readers' help? Karen is a uh, therapist in her own right and doing some work uh, with incarcerated folk, but she's married to a guy that I would classify as a narcissist. Um, mm. He's a TV psycholo psychologist who is, uh, very deep into the where's and why's, but so much he is interested only in uh, being seen on television, being recognized on television, having this uh, great uh, persona that is uh, on that is at a celebrity level. And so when uh, Karen can't take this uh, narcissistic relationship anymore if there is such a thing as a narcissistic relationship. I think his only relationship is with himself. Um, but she wants to be away from this. She doesn't want to be part of this anymore. And of course, he is trying to salvage his career in terms of he doesn't, he doesn't view that a divorce would work for his quote-unquote TV persona. So he's going to do everything he can to keep her in the fold, including um, he, there's no hold barred with him. He's willing to do whatever it takes to frighten her, to threaten her, to coerce her, to uh, stay with him so that he does not have a divorce on his hands. He can be the only one who leaves her. Not She cannot leave him in his view. Well, we could always pay him to leave her. That's sad. I know yes. a, lot, a lot of women go through that. So yes, Rita is drawn to Karen. Why? And tell us why she learned she decided to take the case, and does she think it's murder-suicide? 
Now, uh, in the case of Karen, she takes that case because mm. uh, and, and is attracted to Karen, yeah, basically because she's pretty and she smells good. I mean, you know, the typical reasons we feel that we have a sort of instant attraction to someone, maybe not true love, but at least an attraction is there. So that's re- that's one reason, but also because of the violence of the interactions that uh, Karen has had with her ex uh, in terms of trying to frighten her, leaving dead animals and uh, suspicious people coming to her house to be scary to her so that she hopefully, according to uh, Dr. Demento or the, her husband, that she will be afraid enough and threatened enough to stay, where, stay put and not leave him. So in that regard, uh, Rita is always going to be sort of the defender of the underdog as I see her, and uh, that's why she decides to take this case, even though she gets a lot of teasing from Bev about her attraction to this woman. Well, that wouldn't be Bev if she didn't do that. (laughs) Yes, true. But she wouldn't take it from anybody else. It was anybody else. Forget it. Don't even say it to Rita Mars. So, you got it. You got that right. Tell us about the Emmy and the mortician, and how does someone determine the cause of death? Well, as many thriller readers will know, not every state or jurisdiction uh, has an Emmy. Yeah. And in this case, uh, they have a coroner, which is very different. Um, they may do some rudimentary examinations, but they're not going to do a full um, forensic workup uh, on on that uh, that autopsy, and uh, in this case, the coroner um, at uh, in West Virginia, where this is set, uh, they do utilize the coroner system. And this person right now in this county is uh, an older alcoholic doctor who really kind of gets by the fact that. Uh, He's willing mm. to do whatever the police say to stay in his position and have his salary paid, pretty much. So um, that is the difference in that. And, uh, for example, if this had been an ME doing this case, um, the three basic principles of the ME are to uh, determine um, the mechanism and the manner of death. And so in this case, um, the coroner is not going to do a forensic workup. He looks at the case, guy was hanging, and he just writes it off without any kind of uh, examination at all. And that's what has really set Rita off, that nothing is done, and she is determined to fight this lack of response um, and attention to this death of her friend. That, 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 that's scary. I know because I've read a lot of books like that. And sometimes they just say, well, they look at it and say, oh, it's a suicide, it's a murder. And basically it could be something else. They don't really know. True. Or they don't really care. Yeah. So why did you include Absolutely. Loretta as a character? And who, do, who does she interview? Um, Loretta as a character. Um, mm-hmm. Is a twofold has a twofold reason for being there. Number mm-hmm. one, uh, she has 
she has the beginnings of Alzheimer's. I wanted to show Rita mm. living in the real world. You know, we all have friends, associates, mm. uh, people that may be ill, that sort of thing. And since Rita is such a hard nose, I wanted to show her as also as somebody who had good feelings, who is basically a kind and compassionate person and uses her um, strength and her headbutting and her uh, fight-back attitude uh, for the, most of the world. But in truth, she does have a side which uh, works on the human level. And that's what I wanted to show with Loretta. The other purpose of Loretta is uh, if, you, if you later on in the book, um, and I don't want to go into too much of a spoiler yeah. situation, but um, Loretta is very involved in some things that um, eventually turn one of the cases. And it's sort of surprising about how this occurs, and yet it is a lifesaver. So that's kind of as much as I want to say about that particular situation, because, again, it will give away the, some of the plot, and I would prefer not to do that. But Loretta is um, not only a character in this book, will continue to be in Rita's life uh, throughout. So I take it there's going to be more, right? There will be this more. Oh, goodness gracious me, watch out. Rita Moss has not given up yet at all. What can I nope. say? No, I'm just trying to. Oh, good, that's perfect. Um, so tell us about the maid and tell us about Barbie's brother. Um, the maid, uh, you know, I've seen this woman, this character, person type uh, so many times and um, even in my jaunts to do some investigative uh, and, and some environmental things about looking at the uh, scenery in the area uh, where this murder took place, um, I traveled back there. I'm well acquainted with the area. And she's this skinny little scrappy woman uh, smoking a cigarette, um, very typical of that. But uh, the maid is, is that kind of character. And I wanted to make my characters as real to what we meet in the world. I didn't want them to be nondescript. So mm -hmm. I characterized her as one of these scrappy West Virginia ladies who be working until she's 90 and smoking until she's 90. <laughs> and, uh, but just one of those rich character kinds of uh, meetings that, Reporters, police, et cetera, get to know along the path to solving a crime. What I like about it is that you include characters that are not 12 years old or 20, that you include characters that are older. A lot of times authors, you know, depict that people that are older have no brain or they're not, old, they're not smart enough to figure out their own how to tie a shoe. And um, I, I, I get crazy like that, too. I don't like that when people just don't that you matter how old. Yeah, I know. It bothers me because I it haven't figured out me. how old I am, and I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's exactly why Rita is older. I don't people. Mm. I've seen people talk. It even talked to me because I'm seven, over yeah. seventy. So um, talk to me like um, I'm five years old. You know, I got mm -hmm. old. I didn't die. I didn't have uh, retrograde to a five retrograde to a five-year-old mind. And these people are still active, making contributions, 
being having sharp minds and doing what they need mm-hmm. to do to support their truth and their beliefs. And that's what I wanted to show in this book. Um, and, and also, not everything in this book is about sex, just because there are people who don't, yeah. who may not have the usual traditional sexual orientations. Well, you know what bothers me, too, and I agree with that, is that you call up a doctor's office and they'll say, what's your date of birth? And I go, I forgot. Sorry. Can't remember that one. Sorry. Get it, get it. That was good, Fran. And I I won't tell (laughs) them. Good for you. I won't won't tell. I have my hair is blonde with red, purple, green, um, blue, and pink highlights. No, I'm serious. And, yeah. That's That's great. I'm different. and yeah, I, and I don't know how old I am, and I, there's a whole other issue with that. <laughs> and the minute they they ask you how old you are, there's a minute they say, "Well, I said, well, you know, I'm the host of a syndicated radio show. I'm the author of a whole bunch of books that are pretty good." I said, "And one of the top reviewers on, on the world in the world," and they just said, "Oh, you poor thing, that's so nice." And I go like, "Stick a sock in it, and oh I won't tell gosh. you where." I, yeah. I just crack up laughing because I'm not that old, and then go like. Oh, you're over 25, you poor thing. Oh, you're so, so, so sorry. Um, Drive you crazy. Yeah, tell us about the Coke dealer and Bobby, and how does he learn, how does she learn about the many different people involved? You don't mess with this girl. Yes. So she goes to, first of all, there's a usual lineup of characters that police and, and PIs both speak to, and Generally, in this case, um, she's going to go to the people who probably knew him best, uh, even the ex-wife, because she knew him so well, even though she has um, divorced and remarried. And she goes to the people, um, his family, his colleagues, uh, to find out, because he had hinted at a story that he had been working on. And so what she's trying to do is to find out any grain of... uh, truth or fact that she can expand on or connect some dots to to find out what was his feeling about that piece, mm-hmm. what was action about that piece, and if possible to learn of any involved, their names, so that she can go and try to track back mm-hmm. through his story to connect those dots to find out who would have some mm-hmm. reason to, to want to, him out of the picture. I like Bobby, well, too. Yes, he's a, he was a remarkable guy, which is so upsetting to her. Now, the Coke dealer, um, this, again, was a situation that um, I worked on a case where we did um, some drone surveillance and some other kinds of, um, if you will, pardon the expression, wiretapping now. In, um, mm-hmm, yeah. In in the police world, that's called lawful intercept. Now, um, but this is how they they know that this was his dealer, and of course, his wife, who had lived with him through through all of this, uh, probably knew the dealer. And I, I'm assuming that she does, and she did, and she talks about this person, which gives Rita another stepping stone to going down the path to find the truth. Um, and this Coke dealer has a giant of a, an assistant who uh, is probably not the brightest, but is completely loyal to this Coke dealer, and he is going mm-hmm. to get in the way uh, between Rita and the Coke dealer. And, of course, 
Rita's going to be very wary of this guy. This guy probably makes two or three of her. Um, Mm -hmm. But the Coke dealer had lent Bobby some money. And uh, sometimes these uh, dealers will have associations with loan sharks or they are part of a, quote, unquote, full-service criminal enterprise. Mm -hmm. Um, But supposedly he was paid back from this, and he wants to extract himself completely from this investigation because his name in the pot, if you will, um, could lead to the police coming and breaking up a very lucrative, uh, quote-unquote, dealership for him. So he is not going to share with her anything that could help her, and she comes away from there uh, not intimidated, but at least knowing that she's probably not going to get a lot of information out of the Coke deal. But you she has to turn over every rock. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, so, you know what bothers me is that there are so much drugs out there and so many drug dealers, and they're still out there. They can't seem to stop them. Yes. That's what makes this, yeah. real, this book so real. I mean... I taught in a school for a very long time, and outside the school there were drug dealers. And, of course, mm-hmm. I reported it, and the police came, yeah, because I wasn't going to let my students, my angels, get corrupted by anybody. I mean, right. we even had, I, I had a sixth grader when I first started to teach. They gave me the class from you know where. And then I'm little, mm-hmm. I'm five feet tall, I'm 108 pounds, and they they gave me the worst class in the, impo- in the entire building. They didn't think I was going to last. I proved them wrong, let me tell you. And after a month, I said, you know what, you guys, I'm not going to let you graduate. You just see me next year. Don't worry about it. It's okay. The queen doesn't mind looking at you again. I, I stood up yes. to them, and they were nine feet tall. And, I'm, and they looked at me and go, don't mess with her. Uh-oh, what happened? She got possessed over the holiday. And drugs were a main thing, and prostitution were outside the school. And oh, we yeah. cleaned it up. Yeah. It's, That's it's horrible. fantastic. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I I learned the hard way, <laughs> but I was big a big 17 years old when I graduated college, and there I was teaching these sixth graders. And you know, it's funny because they they stay in touch with me. And that I get is emails fantastic, on, Fran. Yeah, that's so outrageous. I know. I went into Kmart before I closed, and this girl came over to me, and she said, "You were my teacher the first year I taught." I go, "Holy crap! What did I do now?" She said, "Without you, I probably <laughs> would have been in jail." She said, you made me what I oh am my today, gosh. a sales rep or something. I felt like a million dollars, yeah. A lot of That's my students great feeling. Said, said, they said I would have been in jail because you didn't. You stood up to us and you don't care. I go, yeah, well, what can I say? You made me nine feet tall, but that doesn't matter. So we have yep. a sheriff. So what was his problem? What happens at the sheriff's office? And what happens when she gets the case files? In this case, uh, the sheriff... Um, is, a, mm. is 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 somewhat sympathetic to uh, Rita. It's his deputy Lamar who hates probably all women, but it takes I'm sure it takes <laughs> my view of him. It takes offense to Rita being a lesbian. So uh, she is. Um, he's always trying to push her around to intimidate her or stand over her. She goes. She realizes she's going to have to go look at the police reports. Now, as a reporter and as an investigative reporter in particular, she knows there are certain things that you can file, and it takes forever on a uh, Freedom of Information Act. So she goes to the sheriff's office in West Virginia because she knows they will have something written up, even though it may not be as, um, as definitive as she would like. So 
the when she first gets there, she runs into, of course, Lamar, who is the big, tall, brutish guy who is threatening her and really hates her. And um, but the good news is that the clerk in that office uh, is sympathetic to Rita, and the sheriff has also explained to Rita, to I'm sorry, to the assistant, that um, she should help that if Rita Mars comes in, she should help her with information because this was her friend and he has some mm-hmm. feelings, good feelings and positive feelings about that. So anyway, for as luck would have it, Lamar is called away as the uh, administrative assistant there for the sheriff says um, it's his girlfriend whose husband just drove out of town and now he's going to go and, and meet up with her. So that gives the assistant time to give information to Rita. Now, one would think this lady who is the sheriff's helper would know that there have to be certain criteria, but she doesn't make Rita file any uh, of these papers or sign for any of these papers. And interestingly enough, she allows Rita to copy the notes from all of the case file, which is Mm. very important to her and will help her later on, um, including some of the death pictures. Um, And there's she's trying to drive out of town. The sheriff does come back. He's cool with everything. But as Rita is driving out of town, Lamar stops her Mm. and does everything but grope her while she's uh, having to prove that she's not armed and stops her in a traffic stop on her way out of West Virginia. But he's not successful in, in, in threatening her enough to keep her out of the game of finding out the answers. Yeah, you do. There are a lot of sheriff's assistants like that. I'm one of people that think that they could just roll one over on people and it's okay. It's mm-hmm. not. I mean, I've, I've seen police stop people. <laughs> it's interesting. But, yeah, you have to yep. be be polite to a point, but you have to let them know that you're not afraid. It's, True. it's scary. So it who is, is Mary Margaret Smooth? And she's the one that always helps save uh, Rita and get her out of trouble. Mary Margaret is Rita's best friend forever from her childhood days. They grew up together. They lived in the same neighborhood. Mary Margaret went off to the convent. She was determined to become a nun. And um, it was only when, as they call it in the Catholic Church, uh, the mother superiors who have dealt with her decided that she was – engaged in too many quote-unquote particular friendships, which is the nicety they they call for any sort of um, gay relationship. So eventually she's tossed out of the convent. But um, I had my, I have very good friends who are Catholic school uh, rebels. And so in a sort of ironic little twist, since Mary Margaret couldn't become a mother superior or stay in the convent, she decides to go into policing, and uh, at this point in their relationship, um, oh, and they, they came out together, Mary Margaret and Rita. So I, I'm sorry I left that piece out. That should be definitely part of the issue. And went through their growing, getting out years uh, together. But in this case, Mary Margaret is a captain in the Baltimore police force, and she is head of vice. 
So it's sort of an ironic little twist of she couldn't be a nun, so she took the next best thing. Um, and she's always helping uh, Rita out because, first of all, they are such close friends. Um, they're like sisters. Um, and so that is a great help to Rita. She gets to uh, bounce things off Mary Margaret. Now, Mary Margaret is a little more... Uh, we've got to walk inside the lines of legal issues. And mm. uh, she doesn't want anything to happen to her friend also. So she's always trying to either advise her against certain things or she's uh, digging her out of a hole that somehow she's gotten into with her attitude um, and or her getting too close to um, infractions and crimes. And the going gets rough. So Mary Margaret is her help, her support, and her friend. Well, the problem is, is that what's going to, what would happen eventually if uh, Rita gets into something that she can help her through? If she pushes it too far, that's not going to be too cool either. So Rita, you've got to be careful. So This is true. Uh, I introduced very briefly in this book an yeah. attorney who will become very prominent in the next book where his um, actions are far more in demand and more crucial to getting uh, Rita out of trouble. So, um, yes, there are times when uh, Rita gets hauled in and um, she has an attorney uh, named Patrick Dwyer who is always going to be getting her out of trouble when it comes to the point that Mary Margaret cannot help her in a certain situation. Well, that, that makes sense. So... She goes to Bobby's apartment, but what does she find that's unusual that's missing? She um, she goes to Bobby's apartment, and one of the things that she's trying to find there is, that it, like any good detective, she wants to find out if there are any secret hiding places where, uh, because of perhaps the volatility of this story, which may have caused his death, she wants to be able to uh, find those notes to see if there are any names named, if there are any uh, links or any places else that she should be focusing her um, investigation. And, uh, for example, she lays out his clothes on the bed and uh, not the clothes he was in, um, but very similar to clothes he was in. And she has gone through the effects that the police have returned to her. And she notices that everything he has doesn't require a tie. And yet he had hanged himself with a tie. So mm. she highly doubts that he went out to Walmart, bought a tie, came back to the hotel room and hanged himself with that. This was very telling for her. Um, and a, very, a key clue in the fact that it was a piece of evidence that she hadn't had before other than her own intuitive sense that this was a murder and not a suicide. Well, there's something else that's interesting. There's a health bill involved in this. So there's Peter Devane and Charlie Stutzen. What does he have to do with this health bill, and what is the health bill right? And what does Bobby have to have done with that? The uh, the other side of the drug wars is the quote unquote legitimized side of, of pharma. Yeah. So um, one of the things that had been touched on 
were some of the legislations uh, in, in earlier stories that Bobby had written for a small community paper. So she noticed a lot of these, of course, she put these, uh, she connected these dots and said these are things about federal government uh, misdeeds and perhaps criminal acts. And one of the things that we as voters are always concerned about is um, the lobbies and payoffs and insider trading that goes through in through the houses of Congress because they're allowed to do these things. Uh, either they're allowed to do these things like uh, listening to uh, research from drug manufacturers so that they, before the public hears about it, they can go out and, and invest and reap the benefits of this insider information. But what these, what these two guys uh, are dealing with is a legislative bill about um, pharma and how drugs will be handled, manufactured, and distributed, and cost factors that are involved. And Rita suspects that a lot of these are having to do with particular payoffs. She doesn't know that for a fact, mm. but uh, for example, Charlie Strutz, who is one of the senators, is uh, not a very bright guy. I didn't even mention what state he supposedly represents. Uh, but she is suspect of the two people that are helping to drive this legislation through. So that would be Charlie Strutz uh, and Peter DeFane and uh, Senator Hillman, who, for whom um, some of the other bad guys are working for and she starts to go down this path I won't say whether that path leads to anything but that's what it has mm. to do in terms of the uh, why she is looking in, in that direction at in, in this case because of his uh, Bobby's initial stories that had to do with uh, corruption of, of the Congress and illegal activities on the part of the senators before I forget Next Tuesday, it's going to be big, people. He's going to be here with his book, The Darkest Place. Philip Borgelin is going to be here to talk about it, and I am excited. On the 10th, Andrea Kane at any cost. On the 15th, she writes for James Patterson. The title is Renegade, Nancy Allen. On the 17th, I'm doing something for women's history. Stella Tear Hart. Sylvia True, Marsha Casper Cook, all wrote books about the Holocaust, and we're going to honor female writers. On the 22nd, Gambling with Murder. On the 24th, Iris Johansson's son, uh, Roy, will be here with Killer View. On the 28th, we have African Vengeance. On the 30th, we have uh, Lee Matthew Goldberg, Vanish Me. And on the 31st, we have former FBI agent Michael Tabman and I are going to tackle current events in the news and just about anything that there is in the news that's controversial we're going to do it that should be a lot of fun <laughs> and we've done it before so next question how and why does she go to the mexican embassy and why does this turn out to be kind of a slippery slope the i don't think most people know and i don't mean that to be People are dumb. Yeah, but, I know what you mean. Uh, uh, it's just not talked up about. So anyway, uh, drug manufacturing 
um, as big pharma in this country would like us to believe that we can only buy from them because they're the only ones that have safety issues. These mm. are the same companies that ship their raw materials or uh, contract with uh, other countries, the same countries that they are demonizing. Those are the people that they generally contract to do the work to develop and sell and distribute their medications through the U.S. Um, and Mexico does a fair amount of that work, which is why she goes mm. to the Mexican embassy. Um, she's initially um, approached by two large and unfriendly gentlemen who are mm -hmm. the security for the Mexican embassy, and she doesn't back down to them. Uh, but she does go in, and she goes in with a little bit of an attitude. Now, the ambassador um, at this uh, embassy and um, trade uh, union, uh, I don't know how to say union, but it's the trade ambassador. So what he's doing is he's been around long enough. He never wavers. He's always smooth. He's always calm because he just, he's probably been through these things so many times. People in that position are usually pretty unflappable, and that's why they are in those positions. So um, this is a gentleman who is going to humor her for a very brief period of time, even though she is getting really uh, worked up and probably needed to curb her own feelings about this because she's getting very agitated that she's not getting answers and that this person is sort of sending her in every direction at the same time. But she does find out that um, this is probably a dead end for her. And uh, it was in, it's a telling remark when the uh, Mexican ambassador says to her, you know, you have all these great statues out in the Supreme Court as they're passing the, the Neptune fountain there and talking about truth and justice and that uh, when you're looking for answers like that, it has to be looked on both sides. There's no such thing as a one-sided affair. And that's the sum total of what she gets out of that, except she does gather that this is probably not the avenue that Bobby was pursuing when he was killed. They tell her not to come back. How come? They don't want her to come back there. Well, she's pretty snarky. So uh, she doesn't. they don't want her in there uh, making a scene and digging into things. Um, so they don't want her back. But the good news is for um, Rita, she doesn't have to come back for this part of it. Now we have Randy Wyman. And how and why did you add the Mexican Trade Council? And what is their connection to the bill, to the health bill? Before we get to the final scene with Karen, the health bill. She decides uh, she does not see that connection. Mm. Um, she was hoping to find that, and this is one of those dead ends that PIs frequently run into. You, everything is open, and you want to pursue it until you discover that it's that it is nothing, that it is going to be a dead end. And Rita discovers that uh, or makes that decision for that um, and feels that she needs to, that somehow the two senators and their chiefs of staff 
uh, Devane and Wyman are actually could be involved in this some way, and that she really gets to Hill to uh, Hillman's chief of staff, Peter Devane, because mm. he is reluctantly helping her, and then he really steps up and begins to open up some things for her. However, Randy Wyman is just a mm. solid block of contention, and he is not going to move. And he is so smarmy and um, arrogant that immediately she's suspicious of him because she recognizes the way he's trying to manipulate her. Well, those are most people in the world that are, that are in that type of position, and they think that people are not going to figure it out, and they think they can get away yep. with it. That's And it's in real life, too. Yes. I see it in the news. So. Yes, what events happen at the home of Karen, and how does she handle her safety? And why do you think they like each other? Hmm. Well, the biggest thing that happens at Karen's house after she has described to Rita how her she believes her husband has left these dead animals and um, mm. Had these scary looking men coming to her house, supposedly looking for work or looking for something and um to let her know that he can reach out and crush her at any time or that she is not above getting to um, and in fact, Rita even has an event where uh she has a beloved cat that she takes care of who is partially a feral cat but spends most of his time and spends most of his time outside. She even has a situation where she thinks the cat has been killed and she because this cat looks just like hers and she recognizes it as a threat and the same kind of reaching out that Karen's husband did to her. So um, the biggest thing that happens with Rita and Karen at her house is that a fire has been set and the uh, alarm goes off and the house is filled with smoke. And this fire uh, is set to perhaps not destroy the house, but again to remind her in a more stringent and threatening way that she is under his purview and that he can reach out and do these things to her. Now what happens is that Rita gets her out of the house by some maneuvering through the fire and the smoke because typically with all the smoke that was in that house. Uh, people who die in fires generally die of smoke inhalation before they, are, mm. before they are burned. But she gets her out of the house, takes her to a safe place, and they eventually end up living in Rita's house where she can keep an eye on her and where it's less likely that Demento, Dr. Demento, as I call him, will show up and be threatening. That is, that is scary that you have to do that. And it's scary it that in real scary. life people have to, people have to do it in real life, you know, disappear, yes. hide. And a lot of women, yeah. you know, because I've dealt with so many parents in school, and I've dealt with a lot of um, husbands that abused parents in, in my school, and I've dealt with mm-hmm. them before. And, you know, a lot of times I'll just say to them, you need to leave. You need to do something about it, you know, with the kids and everything. Right. And once in in a while, yeah, they actually do listen. I mean, there was a situation, I'll never forget, where this little girl walked in. She must be about 50 now. She's not that much um, younger than me. And I said to her, Mm -hmm. older, whatever, (laughs) and I said to her, you know, she said to me, look at my arms. My father did that. 
I said, and we're all oh purple my. and burned. He took a switch to her. Oh. I said, he won't be taking anything to you ever again. I was shaking, and I called the guidance counselor. We called whatever. And the father came in for open school night. He said, I'm going to finish the job. I said, not when, I said, want to tell it to the guy standing behind you? There was a cop behind him. I, I called somebody. Wow. And he, he just looked. I, I was, like, scared to death. Yeah. And I called the mother every single day at night to make sure that this father never came back. And the girl oh, wow. was on Facebook, and she said, because of the craziness that I did, she's okay. I don't think the father's in the picture anymore. I don't even know if he's still alive. Probably hope not. But, yeah. So you, you, that was know, brave, you, you don't know. I, I, yeah. we, did, we did crazy things in my school, let me tell you. But that was before this last principal came. But all I know is that mm-hmm. the teachers, everybody cared, the administration cared. There was no such mm-hmm. thing as if you, if you expected abuse of any kind, you better report it. And even if you're wrong, so what? Yep. And unfortunately, totally. I was never wrong. So what is next for Rita? What do you got for her? Rita is going to come back in a very interesting and complex fraud case that will be oh, good. Um, something that I personally worked on, and uh, mm. it talks about, uh, it's very interesting in terms of the recent um, revelations about shell companies and how mm. various and sundry politicians, all kinds of people, uh, hide their money and their evil doings and their, their criminal activity through mm. these multiplication and uh, like a Russian doll set, a company within a company within a company. And um, this will take us down those avenues, but it is not without physical threat. These are people who are willing to do harm because that is that's a huge source of revenue. Um, and Karen may or may not be back, but my mm. attorney will be back. Bev will be back. Of course, Rita will be back. And we'll know a little bit more about Rita as she deals also with a kidnapping of someone very close to her, in which mm. case uh, the police think of her as a primary suspect and how pol- Rita deals with the police in terms of being able to clear herself um, and solve the kidnapping issue as well. And I am really excited about it. It's called Object the Fall of 2022, so this year. Oh, not bad. So are you going to – I'm excited. Are you going to be doing another tour with uh, Partners in Crime? Gosh, I hope so. I have really enjoyed them. And, Fran, I'm thrilled to talk with you. Uh, your story about teaching, I taught for one year, and it reminds me a lot of some of the situations I ran to. And, gosh, mm. they were you were pretty brave, I have to tell you that. <laughs> I loved every minute of it. Do you know it was funny that I was never afraid of the students or the parents or the, or the teachers? It was the, um, my principal's. My principal gave me the worst class in the in the school on purpose. It was deliberate. Oh my he wanted gosh! Me to fail. Yeah, he did it. I just stood. You know, like at first, I, my the assistant principal was my third grade teacher. So I got hired walking down the street, going to an interview for a different school. I was hired oh my I made gosh. music as a. I was hired as the music director of a school, and I didn't want to do that. I wanted it to yeah. actually teach kids. So they gave me the worst sixth grade. That I think they're still talking about him. <sighs> They've never had a test quite, <laughs> quite quite as 
horrific as this one. They didn't throw chairs or do anything, but you know they had this attitude. So I yeah. came in one day, locked the door, and I said, you want to know what an attitude is? Watch and learn. I said, you know how you drive a car? I said, on the steering wheel, watch me take off in the room. And by the time I got done with them, they looked at me and I said, you don't want to find out. I said, because wait a minute. We didn't have, um, I think we had cell phones back then. Whatever. It wasn't that long ago. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, I said, your mother's number is on speed dial on my phone on the right and your father on the left. And if I have to get a third one for your grandfather, you're in big trouble. And I didn't even hesitate to, to when I when they got their report cards um, in January. I said I will not fail you in subjects because they did their work. I said, but I'm going to give you a whole bunch of red marks in conduct. Let you deal with your parents. That was it. Never had to deal with it again. And for for 36 years, uh, yeah, 36 years. They looked at me. I was the dean one year. Uh, my assistant principal. I, I got a reading master's because a lady in the beauty parlor said. You're so good with kids with learning disabilities. Why don't you just get the degree? God bless that lady. The smartest thing I ever did. Hmm. Be- well, my That's reading fantastic. professor. Yeah, well, my reading professor is coming on for the third time on May 12th. The one that taught me everything. <laughs> so yeah, so that is fantastic. How is, those title driven is really has a multiple meaning. How would you define it? That particular thing related to reader and and intent. You know, what does driven mean? Because it actually says it says it all. That's her personality. I will tell you that um, I have read many, many things as I started out being a journalist, uh, journalism major and ended up doing something different. But uh, Rita is driven in the way that I've seen and read about so many, invest- women, especially mm-hmm. female investigative reporters. And I think of people like Molly Ivins and Marie Colvin who were uh, – just relentless in their pursuit of things. And uh, Molly Ivins took it a little in, in, she struck out with, and I mean struck out and is in touching uh, the core of these political issues with humor. Mm. And Marie Colvin reported on the absolute grimness of those things. But each one was driven by their desire to mm. have a mm. uh, corrupt free world and no intimidation of other humans and especially the violence against other people. So to me, it was a natural extension to say that Rita's personality, everything, it says it all in that, in that one word, and that's how I think of her. I do also. But before we end, where can we everybody get this book so they can read it? Fran, thank you so much. I have this has been great. I've enjoyed this tremendously and I've I'm glad enjoyed you listening <laughs> to your story. I, it's great. I love your story as well. So thank you again. It's been an honor. Well, thank you so much. But before I end, I've been saying this at the end of every show. You know, the world is really mixed up today. And there's not enough people in the world that do kind things for people. So if you do an act of kindness or say something kind to someone, that would be great. And I did an act of kindness this morning. Uh, the lady that owns the bakery, her daughter's having trouble writing book reviews, book reports, so I was helping her on the phone this morning at 730. That was great. I, yeah, let me tell you. <laughs> Especially since I never That's read the book and I had to look thing. it up on book yeah. But, yeah. yeah. And I want to send a special, special heartfelt prayer for the people of the Ukraine 
God is going to watch over you, and they're going to make this stop, I hope, to God, because they don't deserve what they're going through. They're two good people. So hopefully Russia will get the message that you're not wanted and that the people of Ukraine will will, will, will be okay. So thank you so much, Valerie. Um, when, I, when you get the next one, make sure I get it, because I've got to know what happens next. Seriously. I will definitely do that, and I second your thoughts and prayers for the Ukraine. Thank you. Everybody, have a great day, and bye. Bye-bye. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.